We've been ordered to stand down the scrap in the program. They say we fell short. The contract threshold is Mach 10. Mach 10 is supposed to be in two months. Today's test point is Mach 9. Well, that's not good enough. Says who? Admiral Kane. The drone ranger. He wants our budget for his unmanned program. He's on his way to kill the test and shut us down personally. isn't here yet. Well, Mach 10? Let's give Mach 10. Now remember, the contract threshold is Mach 10. Not 10.1, not 10.2, Mach 10. That should keep the program alive. I don't like that look, man. It's the only one I got. Control, this is Darkstar. How do you read? Darkstar control loud and clear. How me? Loud and clear. Takeoff pre-checks complete. Ready for APU start. Ready left engine start. Ready right engine start. Fellas for taxi. We are ready for taxi. Drivers, this is Darkstar. We are taxiing with information alpha. Darkstar, you're clear to taxi. Runway 21. Winds 21010. Okay, fuel temps are looking good. Control concurs. Battery's holding at 95%. Cabin pressure looks good. Control concurs. Towers is Dark Star. We're ready for takeoff. Requesting an unrestricted climb to 600 and above. Dark Star, the runway and skies are yours. Rear Admiral Chester Kane. Maverick. Kane just pulled up to the gate. It's not too late to stop, buddy. You know what happens to you if you go through with this. I know what happens to everyone else if I don't. Dark Star is ready for takeoff. Everyone, go for takeoff. Starting with engine. Engine, go. Thermals, go. Fuel, go. Electric, go. Control surfaces, go. Dark Star, control. You're cleared for takeoff. Nice, sweetheart. One last ride. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope. My name is Scott Raines. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are a person of a certain age, when you hear this music, doesn't it do something inside you? Yeah, I know you people who are my age. Uh, even if you're an over-the-hill preacher, you hear this music and you think you missed your calling as a naval aviator. Uh, I graduated in 1990, and you know how there's the graduation ceremony, but a couple of days before that, you've got the uh, senior awards night. 
So we're supposed to walk in, the Eldora New Providence class of 1990, we're supposed to walk into this music, the Top Gun Anthem. It's inspirational, there's no lyrics, it's just go get them, take on the world. We didn't have a stellar production team at our high school. We had Mr. Lamaru, the librarian, and he had a boombox and a microphone and a cassette tape, the Top Gun soundtrack. And when it was time to process in, he put the cassette tape in and he pushed play. The problem was he put the cassette tape in backwards, wrong side. And so instead of the Top Gun anthem, we got Kenny Loggins. Highway to the danger zone. Is it, I'm pretty convinced that Mr. Lamaru did that on purpose, knowing the class of 1990, thinking that was a little more appropriate for us. So uh, anyway, if you are new to Hope, oh, thank you. This is Phoenix, my sidekick, Phoenix. How great is that outfit, by the way? Here, you want to take these glasses? Um, I don't know if we'll be able to get out of this. It's just glued on me. All right, try it. Yeah, we're doing it. Perfect. If you are new to Hope, apologies, sort of. Um, If you're new to Hope, one of the things that would be good for you to know about me is I love movies. And I wasn't here last weekend because my buddy Dan and I, for almost 20 years now, have set aside a weekend in the winter to watch as many movies as we possibly can. One year when we were doing this, the Oscar nominations came out. And so we took that as a challenge. Now let's try to watch all the movies nominated for Best Picture in the three or four days that that we are together. And that's what we tried to do. So that's what we were doing uh, last year. So just to be clear, I am not some Tom Cruise fanboy. I am not stuck in the 80s. The reason I have Top Gun Maverick on my mind is because I watched it uh, last weekend. It was nominated uh, for one of the best pictures of the year. And the reason I'm showing clips from Top Gun in a message at church where we're here to worship God is because I'm absolutely convinced movie clips can be helpful to us as we try to live a life of faith, as we try to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You, you are aware, right? The primary way that Jesus taught people was through the use of stories. And a good movie tells a good story. Our, our theme this year at Hope is the whole Holy Bible in a year. And so uh, we've got a New Testament track, an Old Testament track, In the New Testament, just since January, as a congregation, we've read through uh, Matthew, we've read through Mark, and now we're in Luke for Lent. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, the books of the Bible that tell the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There's an Old Testament track as well, and lots of great Old Testament stories uh, that we've been reading about. I saw an article this week, the estimate was 43% of the Bible, almost half of the Bible is stories, stories about events that actually took place in history, but also stories that have been made up in order to make a point, like like the stories Jesus tells, the parables that Jesus tells, stories he makes up in order to make a point about who God is and how do we live a life of faith. Our Bible reading for today, we're in Luke chapter 6, and it ends with a story. We'll get to the story, but before we get to it, You have to understand what leads up to this story is Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. And this part of Luke's gospel is sometimes referred to as the Sermon on the Plain. In Matthew's gospel, we get the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of the teaching in the Sermon on the Plain and the Sermon on the Mount is the same. So in Luke 6, uh, we get some of the Beatitudes that we see also in Matthew chapter 5. In Luke chapter 6, we get 
Jesus' countercultural teaching around loving our enemies. We'll come back to that a little bit later in, in the message. Uh, in Luke chapter 6, we get Jesus giving us wisdom around judging people or not judging people. Why do you pay so much attention to the speck in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own eye? And, and we could take a, an entire month and preach four messages just digging into the ideas in that one single idea that Jesus has about judging. At the end of Luke chapter 6, we get a story that's sometimes called the story of the wise and foolish builders, a story that I first heard in Sunday school. A little boy going to church, and they taught us this story by teaching us a song about it. Maybe some of you, that song pops into your head, the wise man built his house on the rock, foolish man built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm, but the house on the sand went splat. It's a Greek word, I think, splat. Anyway, <laughs> it's a story that stuck with me for 40 years or more. Jesus tells this story because there's a point he does not want us to forget. He wants this point to stick with us. And he makes the point in verse 47. We'll put it up on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. Read it with me. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person who builds their house on solid rock. Come to me, Jesus says, listen to my teaching, and then follow me. Our goal is to read through the whole Holy Bible this year, but, but more than just getting a whole bunch of information as we read through, we, we want what we're reading to be transformational in our lives. We want it to change us. We, we want it to change for the better the way we understand who God is and the way we relate to one another. But it's really easy. There's a great temptation for all of us, and we want to avoid this ditch of engaging with God's Word and reading it and getting all this information, but not being changed by what we're reading. Uh, big part of what Jesus is doing in the Gospels, a lot of his teaching, a lot of his storytelling, it is correcting bad theology. And it, it's crea uh, correcting bad ideas that have become embedded in the culture of his day, particularly the religious culture of his day, because people have read the scriptures, but they've misinterpreted or misunderstood what they've been reading. And again, that's a ditch we can fall into as well. On Wednesday, this last Wednesday, my wife Wendy, our daughter Saffron, who's 11, and I, we had to go to Iowa City. Saffron has cochlear implants, and so uh, the audiologist is in Iowa City who makes sure those are doing what they're supposed to be doing. We had an early morning appointment over in Iowa City, and so my hope was Saffron would fall asleep in the backseat of the car while we, we drove over, and to kind of help with that process, as soon as we pulled out of our driveway, I said, okay, now we're going to listen to our Bible readings from Deuteronomy. <laughs> uh, Saffron did not fall asleep listening to the narrator read through the book of Deuteronomy. Saffron sat in the backseat in stunned disbelief. Because if you've ever read Deuteronomy, or if you're reading along with us uh, this last week, the part of Deuteronomy we're in, it's where God was spending a lot of time talking about consequences for sin. Punishment for disobedience. And it is severe. It is harsh. And so Saffron's sitting there going, what? God says what? The Bible says what? 
If you're reading through the whole Holy Bible with us this year, you should be having those kinds of moments too. What did I just read? Is that really what God, th- is that really what God wants? Is that really what God believes? Is that really who God is? How am I supposed to make sense of what I just read in the Bible? And, and part of what I want you to remember is uh, the people uh, in Jesus' day, when they read through those parts of the Bible, they took it seriously. I, I think it would actually be more accurate to say they took it literally. And, and they believed this was an okay way to treat people. They thought they were being biblical, following the scriptures. So I talk to a lot of people who are very interested in being biblical. There's a, a Facebook group, like People of Ankeny Facebook group, and a, a lot of what that's used for is people are asking for recommendations. Hey, we're new to town. Uh, who's a good mechanic? Who's a good plumber? We're new to town. We're looking for a good church. And, and part of what is interesting to me in those kinds of conversations, when people say I'm looking for a good church, they say I want a Bible-believing church. I, I want a church that teaches the truth of Scripture. And then people will say, oh, I've got a church for you. Check out this church, check out that church, whatever the the church might be. Bible-believing, this is a a church that is true to the teaching of Scripture. That's interesting to me because I always wonder, what do people mean by that when when they use language like that? You, You know who was true to the teaching of Scripture in Jesus' day? The Pharisees and the teachers of religious law who would bring a woman to Jesus. They caught her in the act of adultery and they say, hey, Scripture says we should kill her. What do you say, Jesus? Got really quiet in here all of a sudden. (laughs) Jesus is always in conflict with uh, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees because the Scripture says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And they have a, a real specific idea around what that looks like. And Jesus is always doing other things that they don't think he should be doing, that they don't think are true to Scripture as it relates to the Sabbath. It's almost like when you look at the words Jesus is speaking, the actions Jesus is taking, part of what his life communicates is the conventional religious wisdom of his day is actually foolishness. Uh, John chapter 5, isn't it? Example, a perfect example, Jesus at his best. Uh, John chapter 5 begins on the Sabbath day. There's a man who's been unable to walk for 38 years. 38 years. How long ago did the first Top Gun come out? Was that 38 years ago? That I didn't realize. Anyway, that's a long time ago. Man hasn't been able to walk since the last first Top Gun movie came out, and Jesus heals him. He's able to walk, pick up your mat and walk, and he does it. You would think this would be cause for great celebration. People are going to be celebrating, praising God for this miraculous display of the power of God to heal people. Instead, John says, the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. Because the conventional religious wisdom of Jesus' day, it's not a good thing to heal someone on the Sabbath. That's not being true to Scripture. It is a good thing to kill someone if they commit a certain sin. That's being true to Scripture. Remember the justification for the crucifixion of Jesus was he was a sinner. And the specific sin was blasphemy, a sin that was punishable by death in that particular religious context. 
So part of what Jesus is trying to communicate in John 5, and he does this in, through his whole life, through his whole ministry, you are engaging with the word of God, you are reading the scriptures, and you are missing the point. And so Jesus wants to make it really clear what is the point, and we see it in verse 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The scriptures point to Jesus, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life, Jesus says. You refuse to come to Jesus, and that's the whole point of scriptures is to come to Jesus. So through the living and active word of God, what Jesus is saying to us today at this church where our goal is to read the whole Holy Bible together, Jesus says it's possible for you to do that and miss the point. It's possible for you to read the whole Holy Bible this year and miss Jesus. This is a church that does not want you to miss Jesus. This is a church that wants you to meet Jesus. And part of the reason we're reading the Bible together and we're encouraging you, asking you, just dig in, let's read it together. We believe you'll meet Jesus and that will be transformational for you. Part of what it means is the, the leaders, the pastors of the church, we have a responsibility to help you learn how to engage with the word of God in a faithful way. So one of the things you'll hear us say around hope is we take the Bible very seriously. And because we take the Bible seriously, we do not always take it literally. There's one time Jesus is teaching us about the very best way to live our lives. And he says, if you don't go this way, here's what you should do. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Because we take the Bible seriously, we do not take Jesus literally when he says that. Instead, we understand he's using a public speaking technique. He's using hyperbole, over-exaggeration in order to make a point. And the point Jesus is trying to make has nothing to do with punishment and consequence. The point he's trying to make is, do you see how foolish it would be for you not to do the wise thing that I'm asking you to do? A wise person builds their house on the rock. Uh, other places in the Sermon on the Mount, which again gets referenced in Luke chapter 6, our reading for today, Jesus says, you've heard the old law, you've heard the old commandment, the punishment must fit the crime. The, the consequence must fit the sin. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, nuh-uh. That's not a wise way to go through life. It's not a wise way to build a culture, a society, a, a, to live in community with one another. And so instead, Jesus teaches a different way. Turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemy. Jesus asks us to consider going a whole different way, the way of love and the way of grace. And you can tell, or it seems to me, there is a variable that Jesus pays very close attention to that is the primary indicator to him is someone reading the scriptures and missing it or is someone reading the scriptures and getting it? And that variable is love. So again, he says this to the people who know scripture better than anyone else in his day. This is verse 41. Your approval means nothing to me, because I know you don't have God's love within you. If you're reading scripture and getting the point, your life should be more and more filled with love all the time. So the goal for us, we want to read this whole Bible together this year. 
If we get to the end of December and we haven't grown in our love of God, we haven't grown in our love of neighbor, it's an indication that we've missed the point. We haven't met Jesus in the pages of Scripture. Because the more we engage with Scripture, the more we meet Jesus, and, and part of what that means is over the course of our lives, we learn to interpret and apply what we read in the pages of this Bible through the lens of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we read something that makes us say, what? And then we go to Jesus. How does Jesus think about that kind of stuff? We interpret and apply through the lens of Jesus. That's what Jesus means when he says a wise person builds their house on the solid rock. Center your life on the person of Jesus, and as you do that, your whole life will be filled with love. And in fact, it will overflow out of you and reach out to the world around you. How do we become people, individuals, who are centered on Jesus and full of love? How do we become a church, a, a gathered community, on mission, centered on Jesus, and filled with love? Again, Jesus gives us three steps for this in, in Luke 6. Come to me, follow my teaching, uh, listen to my teaching, and follow me. It, it lines up really well with the three points of the subtitle of our theme this year. Whole Holy Bible in a year, read it, learn it, live it. Jesus is extending this invitation to follow him into a whole new way of life, a whole new way of relating to one another. He's extending the invitation for us to follow him to be his disciple. And so really, this is all about discipleship. And discipleship is kind of a fancy church word. We talk about discipleship as training in Christ-likeness. Well, what in the world does that mean? It simply means there are things that you and I can do, practices we can engage in that will train us to become more like Jesus. We will not be Jesus. That's not the goal. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Messiah. That's not, but we want to model our lives after the life of Jesus, make his priorities our priorities, and, and we want to learn to love the way Jesus loves. That's what we're in training for. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but before we do, I want to talk a little bit about the training that the actors in Top Gun Maverick had to do. Uh, last weekend was the second time I saw the film. The first time I saw it, I thought it was all computer-generated graphics. And then I was reading about it, and no, the, the actors went through four to six months of training so that they could, they're not flying the jets, but they are in the jets, and the jets are going crazy speeds enough to make them, you know, feel sick. So I want you to watch the training they had to go through. Take a look. Tom said to me specifically at the beginning is he wanted to make the greatest aviation film ever made. And you can't do that in a studio. You've got to get in the air. To be able to get into an F-18, they had to go through all the training. I hadn't done it since 1985. The actors also had to train, so I started them out in underwater training. This water training we had to do, it was real. The purpose of the training is in the event that there were an over-the-water emergency. I felt like I was drowning. It was tough. It has all these different contraptions that pull you through the water, drop you into a tank, and spin you upside down. 
So you get put in this helo dunker. You have to unstrap and find your way out. It was heinous. There is absolutely nothing that is fun about it. They had to go through all that just like we have to. In an F-18, we're pulling up to seven Gs, and it takes a while to get accustomed to that. Let's get some speed up. <laughs> so Tom developed a flight training program for all of the actors. The intention is that the audience can feel what it is like to be in the F-18. Here comes some Gs. During flight training, they would be embarrassed about puking. <laughs> Ooh. I was like, do not be embarrassed about that. I feel every bit of food I've had in my stomach. Oh, okay. There's five kids. My mustache fell off. I can't wait for the day where I don't get sick. Seven kids. Holy All the training 100% prepared us. Today, I feel like a pilot. I hear the music, and I think I missed my calling. And then I watch the training video, and I'm like, nope, I'm good. I don't need to do that. Uh, Jay Ellis, uh, he says this at the end of that clip. All the training... 100% prepared us. Today, I feel like a pilot. And we're not talking about training to be a pilot. We're talking about training in Christ-likeness, training to be a disciple of Jesus. So maybe the question for us is, today, do you feel like a Christian? Today, do you feel like a disciple? Today, do you feel 100% prepared to follow Jesus in the moment-by-moment -moment living of your life? And I would hope most of you would say, eh, no not 100% prepared. Uh, my buddy Dan that I watched the movies with, I, I met him when I was in seminary. He was one of my professors. And then the church that I worked at for my internship, he was one of the pastors there. My job was student ministry, and Dan's daughter, Rachel, was in eighth grade when I started working at that church. So she was one of the students I led. And I felt somewhat prepared. I'd been uh, doing student ministry for three years up to that point. I'm taking classes at seminary. I've, I was even a parent. Wendy and I had been parents for a month when we start, started. So I, I felt somewhat prepared. But I was super intimidated to be kind of leading the daughter of a seminary professor and a, and a pastor. I was aware that I had some preparation, but I was keenly aware I needed more preparation. And I wonder if that's just a healthy place for us to be all our life. I feel somewhat prepared, but I know there's still more preparing work for me to do. One of the places in the Bible that talks about the purpose of the Bible is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. A little background here. Uh, 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul. So Paul was going all over the Roman Empire, telling everyone he met about Jesus, starting churches in different uh, cities. And one of his assistants on these missionary church planting tours was a young man named Timothy. Timothy ends up becoming the pastor of the church in the city of Ephesus. The book of Ephesians in the New Testament is written to that church in Ephesus. Timothy was the pastor there for a while. When he started, he was somewhat prepared to be a pastor, but he wasn't fully prepared. And so Paul writes, these are called pastoral epistles in uh, the New Testament. It's uh, ways to equip and to train young pastors in the early church. So does that mean if you're not a pastor, you don't have to read First and Second Timothy? No. Uh, all of the stuff that we read in here is helpful to us for whatever it is God's 
calling you to do. And Paul talks about that in the next verse, verse 17. We'll put it up on the screen. Read it out loud with me. God uses all scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Every good work. So, uh, whether you're in ministry, whether you are uh, being paid to be in ministry, or whether you're just in ministry at home, uh, at school, at work, wherever you might go, the idea is we're disciples of Jesus. How does Jesus influence everything that we do? And Scripture prepares and equips us for all those good works, the relational work that we're doing in our lives. Part of what Jesus is calling us to is to shape our lives around him, to come to him, to listen to his teaching, and to follow him so that in the moment-to-moment living of our lives, we can be honoring the Jesus way of life. So, three training ideas for you this week. I remember the subtitle here at Hope is Read It, Learn It, Live It. So, these three points will all be connected to that. Quickly, first of all, I want you to, to read it. And again, I'm inviting you. I know some of you haven't started. I know some of you are new to Hope. You didn't even know this was something we're doing. You don't have to go back and try to catch up. In fact, I would encourage you not to because we've already, we're done with Leviticus and we're done with Deuteronomy. You don't want to go back and read that. Just start where we are tomorrow, which is Joshua. In the Old Testament, we're in Joshua. Uh, Luke 8, 9, 10, and 11 this week in the New Testament reading. Lots of good stuff in there. Just jump right in because we want you to meet Jesus you got to get in the pages of Scripture to do that. Read it, and then secondly, we want you to learn it. What do we mean by that? Um, there's a catchphrase in the Top Gun franchise. It's in both movies. I feel the need, the need for... Yeah, you've seen it. Um, that doesn't actually work when we are training in Christ-likeness. Uh, we don't want to speed read the scripture. Speed reading the scripture is going to put us on the highway to the danger zone. And so we want to slow down a little bit. And we want to chew on what we're reading. Here, here's the idea. Psalm 119.27. Read this with me. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. We want you to learn it. Help me understand. Help me learn what I'm what am I reading here? How does this apply to my life? The Hebrew word that gets translated meditate is siach, and siach literally means to put forth. The word picture is a cow chewing its cud. Uh, the veterinarians in the room can correct me if I get this wrong, but uh, cows are part of a, a type of animal that are called ruminants, and one of the characteristics of a ruminant animal, they have a stomach with four chambers. And one of the chambers of the stomach is called the rumen. And so when a cow's out grazing, uh, eating the grass, it swallows it, doesn't go right into the stomach to be digested into the body. Instead, it goes into the specific chamber of the stomach called the rumen, where things happen to it that are nasty, but it's good and helpful. And then eventually, the cow will siach what's in the rumen. It will put it forth from the rumen back into the mouth, and it's chewing, yeah, what are you doing for brunch today? Yeah. Um, this is chewing the cud, right? Back and forth, back and forth. Eventually, it gets swallowed into the rest of the stomach and digested through, throughout the system. It would be a faithful translation of Psalm 119 to replace the word meditate with ruminate. We want to ruminate on what it is that we're reading. So you read it, 
you think about it, you listen to what other people are thinking about, what they are reading, and you just kind of, you know. So we're going to read through the whole Holy Bible this year, and that doesn't mean now I don't have to read the Bible anymore because I read it once. No, you keep going back to it again and again and again, chewing on it, chewing on it. So two ways you can do that this week. On Wednesdays this year, uh, the Pastor Mike Drop podcast is live. And Mike has some uh, staff members from Hope who are with him for that 45 minutes over the lunch hour, digging into some of the texts that we are reading as we're doing our weekly reading for whatever week that is. This week on Wednesday, Mike's guests are Pastor Ashley and Pastor Scott from uh, Hope Ankeny. So you might want to tune in. If you can't tune in live, then uh, check out the Hope YouTube channel, and it gets archived there. You can watch it whenever it works for you. But again, this is a way to, I read this, I wonder what these people think about it. Oh, this is what they say, and I'm going to go back to the text. Are they missing the point? It's chewing on it, ruminating on it. The other thing we're doing here at Hope Ankeny, uh, quick questions for Lent. So Eli and Ashley and I, twice a week, uh, we're putting out these short videos, around three minutes, where we each try to answer two questions that uh, come from what we've been reading. And we're doing it quickly, but the idea isn't about speed. The idea is just to give you something to think about, something to chew on for a while. So you go to the Hope Ankeny YouTube channel for quick questions for Lent. Read it, learn it, and then finally, we want you to live it. And live it is all about community. Our God exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Part of what that means is we're not supposed to live a life of faith in isolation. We're supposed to do it together in community. So who are the people that you're talking to about what you are reading? Uh, one of the best parts of quick questions for Lent for me is I get to sit with Ashley and I get to sit with Eli and we get to talk about this stuff. Who are you talking to? Do you have people in your life? Do you have a group in your life that you're able to talk to? Because remember, the whole idea is to be filled with love. And if we're going to grow in love, we have to actually have people in our lives that we are loving Jesus says, the world will know you're my disciple by the way you love one another. And Jesus is very specific about the kind of love that we're supposed to show to the world around us. Love the way I do. Jesus shows us the way to do it. And of course, it takes Jesus to the cross, and that takes us to communion. But before we get to communion, one more clip from Top Gun. Maverick's now the teacher. And they have an, a mission that feels impossible to them. So they, they've created a training course and they're trying to fly uh, the parameters of this mission and they keep failing and failing and failing. And so finally Maverick decides the best thing for me to do is to show them it can be done. Take a look. Maverick to range control. Entering point alpha. Confirm green range. Uh, Maverick, range control. Uh, green range is confirmed. I don't see an event scheduled for you, sir. Well, I'm going anyway. Nice. Setting time to target, two minutes, 15 seconds. 2.15, that's impossible. File attack point. Maverick's inbound. <laughs>
I was not expecting to meet Jesus when I sat down to watch Top Gun Maverick. But let me tell you uh, where I really saw it. The first clip we watched at the beginning of the message. He's going to test fly that plane to try to get it to Mach 10. And he's doing an unauthorized flight. And his friends, when the admiral shows up, his friends say, Are you sure you want to do this? You know what's going to happen to you if you do this. And do you remember what Jesus, I mean, what Maverick said? <laughs> I know what's going to happen to everybody else if I don't. Can't you imagine Jesus kind of wrestling with those kinds of thoughts in the garden? The world needs a savior. The world needs someone to rescue them. The world needs someone to save them. Are you sure you want to do it? You can still back out if you want. You know what's going to happen to you if you do it. And ultimately, Jesus says, yeah, but I know what's going to happen to everybody else if I don't. 